brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Bases dropped on a new edition of Soccer Down Here. Welcome in on a Tuesday. It is a World Cup qualifying match day worldwide. We've already had games in Asia this morning. There are games in Africa currently going on, none that are uh, essential when it comes to World Cup qualifying. But we've got some big games there, some elimination games in Africa later today. Uh, an elimination set of games in Europe where uh, at least one country that a lot of people would expect would move on to the World Cup or at least to the UEFA playoff is going to be eliminated today in one of the groups. We'll get into that. We've got everything in CONCACAF, everything in CONMOBOL to get into as well. Um, we're also going to talk MLS Cup playoffs with Dylan Butler here at 9.30. We've got Jared Smith throughout the morning, so chaos will ensue. And let's start with something that, Jared, you didn't get to talk about last night that we uh, kind of jumped into on soccer over there, even though it's over there and not always the down here side of things. But the announcement yesterday that Carlos Bocanegra has done a, a renewed contract with Atlanta United. He is going to be back on a multi-year deal. And there were some takes. There were some takes that honestly were, uh, like I used the word surprised or, or maybe that was implied. I'm not sure. It's not the right word. I think maybe disappointed were doing some of the takes and how this went down. Um, I feel like there's a very unfair perception of what Carlos Bocanegra has done for Atlanta United. And when you dig into the results on the field, when you look at the trophy case, when you look at the transfer business, when you look at the academy business and development, when you look at the totality of everything that Atlanta United has done in five years, 
it's been incredibly successful and there's really not much of a comparison to it. So, um, that was announced yesterday at three and you know, there's, there's takes and it's a little surprising to be perfectly honest that it's been so maybe loud is the best word for it. Um, Jared, we were talking a little bit in the, uh, in our thread when that went down, you know, I can't really, I don't think this is a surprise that Carlos Bocanegra is going to stay with Atlanta United because of the success, but maybe, maybe my surprise is that it's being treated like a surprise because success usually means you stay in the role and there's been success. Yeah, and it's 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 a sense it's a sense of familiarity as well of not having to start something over. Um, I believe it had been mentioned a couple of weeks ago that there was discussion about this sort of extension in the media, and you know, there you go, it's done. And yeah, it's it's you're continuing to work if you are uh, if you're in Darren Eels, you're continuing to work with someone that you've been working with since day one, and there yeah. is that familiarity with it. And uh, and I know this this. This seems to change every week depending on if the team wins or loses and depending on the few weeks that go through about whether or not the roster construction is actually good. Yeah. But for the most part, it seems to have done pretty well. Um, yeah, I know there are people who wanted to see things change, and uh, that does not seem to be the case. So I think at this point, uh, if you did, uh, what you hope for is that you you get, you know, you keep things moving in a positive direction. I don't think there's any reason to expect them not to. Uh, you have the misfire with the manager and Gabriel Heinze, and mm-hmm. a lot of us have had to throw our hands up on that, that, you know, a lot of us wanted that to happen. I, I will, I'll go just, a step further, Jared. If anybody can actually point me to a valued take that that was not a good hire at the time, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it because I do not remember anyone complaining about that hire at the time. So to to play 2020 hindsight on it and say, oh, that's a bad hire, that's disingenuous. And and that needs yeah, to be... Yeah, a lot of us had to eat crow with, with that hire. And yeah, it didn't happens. work out. Um, as, and as, as disappointing as that was, you know, having Rob Valentino step in and be, you know, a kind of an... I guess a, a you know a, a buoy to the system over the last few years, and then bringing Gonzalo Pineda, who doesn't want to, who, who basically wants to continue what's been working while putting his own touch on things as he begins his managerial career, it's looked like a great move. Um, guys, you've been waiting on to to come to fruition have started. Mateo Sissetu was one of those guys that we weren't really sure what Sissetu was going to be. You know, was he going to be good enough to stay long term? You know, did he have that? Did he have you know the skill set and the opportunity to stick, or was it you know was it a guy brought in who just wasn't going to work? And I think he proved as the season went on, as the injuries piled up in the midfield, he's got the skill set to do what you want him to do. There, you're not asking him to be you know a, a you know a light him up number ten or even a destroying six, but he does what you ask him to do. There, well, he's doing what Darlington Nagby did to be. Yeah, Absolutely clear, he is not hashtag Nagby replacement, but he is doing the same thing that was celebrated on Nagby. And I, I think you hit on something that, that I want to I develop just a little bit further, Jarrett, where you said that 
know, people were wondering if, if Mateo Sosetu was good enough. This is where we, I think at times, are, are kind of creating issues that aren't there. Mateo Sosetu was playing in a big club, Atletico Paranaense, in Brazil. He had been a, a big part of success for them. He had kind of got lost in a numbers game there. The idea that he's not good enough, and this is where I think things turn at times when a player doesn't hit the ground running or score five goals in their debut or have a you know hundred passes out of a hundred and that kind of stuff. It turns to that, and I, I'm 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 not saying that that's what you're saying, Jared. I'm I'm trying to like take a step further to to go into the broad picture here. I, I hope that's understood. Um, he's scouted by the club and brought in by the club because he has the talent. You know, guys at that level, there's not a question on if they're good enough. Are they going to fit is an absolute question because plenty of talented players around the world are signed by clubs and don't end up fitting. And that's not always something you can know until it happens. And also, and I think this is a major issue with some of this conversation, he was brought in in the midst of a global pandemic. You know, it wasn't a normal, uh, you know, joining of a club here for Matteo Sosetsu. The visa process was difficult for him. He had injuries that he had to deal with. And he moved to a new country that he had never been to in the midst of a pandemic. That's not exactly easy to get settled in. And we're seeing now his quality because he's settled and he's healthy and he's playing consistently. And, oh, buddy, was that a good signing? I I wonder if some of the takes about that being a bad signing have changed over the last few months. I'm not sure. You have that. You have two issues, I think, that really come into play. And I want to jump to John here in just a second. You have, you have two major issues when you get past only four clubs in MLS history have won an MLS Cup in their first five years. Um, Atlanta, the Chicago Fire, which again was in the third year of the league. Uh, RSL in year five and Portland in year five. Atlanta is the other one. Um, you have three clubs that have won a U.S. Open Cup in their first five years. Atlanta, Seattle with three, and Chicago with two. Again, different eras and Seattle could by the final, essentially, and they, they did a couple of times. But Atlanta's the only one to do both of those, along with Chicago, which was in a different era. Atlanta also has the most points per game in the first five years, alongside 1.6. When you want to get into hundreds of a point, they are behind Seattle, they are behind Chicago. LASC has played four years, and they are 1.661 points per game. That's, on the field, really strong over a five-year period, to the point that there's not really many that can even have the conversation that they are in this class. That's not getting into the transfers, two of the largest outgoing transfers in league history, Miguel Almiron, Pitti Martinez, one and two, three of the four largest incoming, which, yes, a general manager, technical director in Carlos Bocanegra's role was going to be involved in actually getting those deals done. Uh, Pitti, Barco, Araujo, three of the four biggest. You got a homegrown who's been capped for the national team in your first five years. You got Miles development as a, as a drafted player. You've got the other players that have developed over time. The other homegrowns who are contributing. Lots of different things that come into it. But 
John, I think a lot of the criticism has come from really, really a couple different spots. One of them is Atlanta United had to reload after its first couple of years because of the way you come into the league. And we're, we're already seeing it with Charlotte throwing allocation money around like it's going out of style, allegedly. Um, you have a lot of tools when you start the team that you don't have in year three, in year four, in year five. They're gone. So you have to reload. So you can't just re-sign everybody and re-sign everybody and just keep the same team year after year after year. If you do, you're going to you're not going to be on this list. It's not going to happen because you're going to be out of money. Um, and two, year four of this franchise's existence had two major things that affected it. Joseph Martinez, your leading scorer, tearing his ACL, which has affected year five as well, but year four, he's gone. And year four was also in the midst of a global pandemic. And you had players that had been recruited in to come in and, and be part of that reload process that are trying to acclimate themselves in a pandemic. Like, that adds a degree of difficulty that I don't know if you really are able to study for ahead of time. That's kind of new. I was going to say, I don't think there's a manual where you can sit there and say, if a global pandemic occurs within your league yeah. than A, B, C, D, E. There, that there's a roadmap for a global pandemic. MLS didn't exist during the Spanish flu pandemic. No. So, you know, and I don't think that there's anyone who's left that tried to negotiate that from a college football or a Major League Baseball standpoint back from the early 20th century. But you're having to come up with everything that you're trying to do to navigate a global pandemic not just on a day-to-day basis. This is day-to-day, hour-to-hour, things change. You have to learn to adapt and understand, and you're understanding things about life, not just sport, but life and your own life on an hourly basis. Things could change that rapidly. Things could shut down very quickly, and you have to figure out how to navigate all of this all of the things that are going on around you. And then when things start to reopen, how do you navigate all of that? How do you bring in, how do you recruit? How do you bring in players? How do you look at coaches? And having to navigate all of that material, I can't give any front office enough credit for trying to navigate all of these as best you can, trying to function in the day-to-day as best you can, and trying to figure out how to reload a franchise, taking my broad 30,000 foot and then bringing it back to Atlanta United specifically, how you go from what's going on in your league to try to reload a franchise, to try to be as successful as you can on the field and go forward through all of this. And so I think that what we've seen from Atlanta United coming out of the first year of the pandemic heading into the the fade that we're seeing in year two, hopefully you're seeing this, the front office reload and bring in talent and understand needs and understand situations have to change and how do we address it and all these kinds of things. And when you have a stable front office that has been there since day one to navigate through that, that puts you a decided 
level of stability stability in all of this stuff. And to continue to have someone like Carlos as a part of that stability, I think, speaks well for what Atlanta United has been navigating and what they've navigated to where they want to continue to be. And all you have to do is look at this season, what was recruited, what was brought in, what the situation was, how it was addressed, how it was fixed, how it was changed, and where they are. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And Carlos Bocanegra is part and parcel to all of that change. And I think that it needs to be looked at in that prism for all of the work that's been done with everything going on around us to get to where Atlanta United wants to be and where they are heading into this weekend on the field. I was going back and forth with Thomas on the, the Twitch pitch a little bit, said that LAFC and, and Atlanta is pretty similar. I, I actually don't think it's that similar in terms of overall success. I, I think with LAFC, there's probably more disappointment than the feeling of success because you don't have an MLS Cup. You don't have an Open Cup. The Supporter Shield is the third trophy in terms of importance. And now it's even less important. But when they won it, it had more importance. It's the third one, though. Yes, they did get to a CONCACAF Champions League final. They got a runner-up medal. I don't think that equals anything like an Open Cup or an MLS Cup. And they also did that, and it, it can't be left out, in a time where they didn't have to win a two-leg series in Mexico. It was down to the single-game knockouts. Their quarterfinal series, remember, didn't start before the pandemic, so that was a single game. So they had a quarter, a single-game quarter, a single-game semi, and the final. Different route. It's incredible they got there, but they didn't win. And now Bob Bradley's out of contract. Carlos Vela's being linked to Trabzonspor in Turkey right now, and he's out of contract. Wait, what? Yes. I missed that one. Yeah, it's a new Jesus. one, Jared. That's a, that's a that's brand new breaking uh, rumor. He is uh, linked to Trabzonspor. Right. Uh, Diego Rossi's on loan in Turkey, and... I think it would be uh, appreciated if he was purchased, but I don't know where that stands. Um, they lost value on Rossi. 
They have lost value on Brian Rodriguez, I believe. He was loaned to Almeria. They did not get promoted in La Liga, so he came back. He's finally performing really well for LAFC, but what does that transfer look like? I think they're in a very different situation. Um, Clubs are different. You know, Atlanta had a manager for the first two years, then they had to make a change. There's so many different aspects to it, but I think the, the... if you want to go down that road, if you want to say Atlanta and LAFC are similar, if you want to say Atlanta and what Seattle did in the early days is, is similar, and uh, Portland would be the next one from a modern era kind of situation. NYC is there as well. NYC had a better points per game, but they haven't won anything yet. Uh, 1.576 points per game in their first five years. That's less than what Atlanta's done. Atlanta's got trophies too. If you want to look at Seattle because of the Open Cups, if you want to look at Portland because of the MLS Cup, you want to throw NYC in there, fine. You want to throw any of these teams in there, fine. None of them have had the outcry and maybe the targeted conversation about wanting one of the leadership members of the front office to leave. There's been no John Thorington out in L.A. that I have seen. There, there was never a Chris Henderson out in Seattle in their first five years. Uh, You know, it's just, it's a weird thing. And I I really hope that Carlos gets the appreciation that he deserves because this club is not where it is in many different areas without Carlos Bocanegra. The amount of attention he's put towards the academy is more than NYC has. It's more than what Orlando has, and they had a two-year head start. It's more than what Minnesota has, and they started the same year. It's more than what LAFC has, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's more than really anybody who's launched in the last decade plus. And it's paying off already. And it's going to continue to pay off more. Carlos has put a lot of attention to that from day one. Very, very early in the process. So I just hope he gets that appreciation at some point. I mean, we've mentioned it a million times. Luis Araujo... That doesn't happen without Bocanegra's connections because of his connections to Gaultier, who was Araujo's manager last year at Lille before Gaultier left, knew that Araujo was not going to be re-signed, kind of said, hey, he might be available, and they went and got the deal done for a player of Luis Araujo's stature and quality. It's, it's a tough job. It's at times a thankless job. I hope he gets a little more thanks. November. We're supposed to be giving thanks, right? I hope he gets more thanks for the job I, that he's done. I would say this, and this applies to all sports, because we're about to have this conversation, I'm sure, and it's going to get real weird with the uh, with the Braves. Oh, yeah. uh, remember, this, remember this with Alex Anthopoulos, with everything going on um, coming up. Um, I don't think you're ever as good as your greatest moments or as bad as your worst moments. It's always going to be somewhere in between with a general manager or technical director, however you want to phrase it out. Um, everybody's going to hit and everybody's going to miss on things. The academy is a big part of what you've been able to build, and now you're starting to see those those pieces come through the academy and see those pieces pay off. Because I think it's kind of, it, it's, it's one thing to know the academy is going, and I think if you're following the team casually, um, there's nothing wrong with that, first of all. Anyone tells you you're wrong for following the team casually, tell them they should learn to let people enjoy things. Um, but if you're not paying attention to the academy, and that's okay, until it pays off on the first team, it might be. it's one of those things that you might just not realize the work that those guys put into it 
uh, that those kids put into it. You know, young kids uh, starting at an early age and working their way up. Coaching staffs are always changing because you have guys getting their licenses, maybe moving on to new situations. Now you're developing the coaches from the inside, you know, with uh, Stephen Glass was an academy coach that became second mm-hmm. team coach, and now at Aberdeen, uh, Jack Collison was mm-hmm. uh, playing. He is my age, and that terrifies me. Then you know, got his licenses, started coaching, and then got pushed to the second team. So you are developing from within, not just yeah. with players but with coaches. And it might be hard to see how well that pays off yet because it takes a while to kind of get it up to full board. But once it does, uh, I think you'll see more and more of the situations like you have now with. Uh, George Campbell making the jump to that first team to be involved in the yeah. conversation. Uh, uh, there are a number of, of players with that second team, with Atlanta United 2, that you're going to want to keep an eye on, and I think it will be easier to look on that with a fond eye as you see the actual payoff hit the first team. doesn't mean it's not working. It's just it's if you're not paying close attention to what the academy's doing or the second team's doing, it might be hard to tell. That's okay. Yeah, that, that's okay. But also then be careful about demanding somebody to be fired because your favorite player isn't with the club anymore. You know what I mean? Because that's what some of this has turned around on. And it's not how clubs are run. It just it, It's not realistic that every fan favorite stays forever when they're asking for more money than either the club can pay or the club has decided the player's valued at. And you have to make moves. And that's what I've been... I think most appreciative of is that moves have been made when moves have needed to be made. And sometimes they've been very aggressive. And for example, and everybody said this at the time, everybody said it when Gabriel Heinze was hired, you know, that was a bold move to move on from him because that, as both Darren and Carlos said, that shines a light on them and they have to get the next move right. It would have been very easy to wait on and see if things got better. They didn't, and the right moves were made, and here we are in the postseason and and getting ready for a game at Yankee Stadium. Jarrett, I think you're going to take a a quick break. You'll be back with us here in in just a little bit. It's true. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Dylan Butler will join us here in just a second as we dial him up and talk a little bit more about all of these different things including the MLS Cup playoffs, because it is a busy time on the MLS front with the postseason starting on Saturday. Atlanta United plays on Sunday at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Dylan, are you going to be at Yankee Stadium on Sunday? I will be, uh, I will be very close to Yankee Stadium. Um, <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a broadcast in the nice. Bronx on the Grand, off the Grand Concourse, mind you, so I probably could hear the fans um, from from where I'll be doing a basketball game. So I hope you're not hearing the fans. I hope you're hearing a lot of silence <laughs> because the other team in the building is, is having a good day. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. That's going to be one of the, I think, the best first-round matchups here in, in the MLS Cup playoffs. Uh, we didn't get a chance to check in last week. Decision Day had some definite ups and downs and swerves and things we didn't expect all the way down to the final seconds of it with uh, RSL and now Pro talking about it, the LA Galaxy getting knocked out. and uh, Just a, a quick recap from you on the crazy regular season that we had with you know everything coming down for some teams getting in. 
to literally the final seconds of the season. Yeah, and and so a, a little bit kind of behind the curtain look here, right? I was on, uh, I was I was writing up and editing that that Real Salt Lake uh, match, right? So for the longest, I was just like, I can't believe I'm going to have the only nil nil on decision day. Like this is ridiculous. There's goals flying in everywhere, and the match that I have is is just you know. Salt Lake knocking on the door late, but but then just not being able to score, and and Justin Miram comes in, and you know he he's become such a difference maker, especially I think off the bench for them, and then yeah, then all hell breaks loose, right? Like as soon as Krylak scores that goal, it just set off. It was like an earthquake, right? Like it just just the uh, the the shock waves throughout the league, and then you you know you you hear that they know the result in L.A., and then, you know, that happens. And, and of course, I thought right away, going back, I thought that was, that was I, I was shocked it didn't go to VAR. I thought it was, you didn't even need it on the field. I thought that was a clear handball on Justin Glad. Um, so, yeah, just, uh, I mean, absolute wild, wild situations. What I will say is, if you are the L.A. Galaxy and you feel hard pressed and hard done by that decision um how about win a game or two in like your last what is it 12 games or 13 mm-hmm. games of the season right like you had plenty of opportunities to not have it come down to a referee decision on decision day so um that was kind of uh my take on that whole i agree with but, that to a point but it doesn't absolve a horribly handled referee decision and especially the VAR component of it and the fact that the VAR who was involved in it had already had a, an issue with utilizing VAR properly and had been publicly rebuked by pro earlier in the season to be on that yeah. game like it's both and the galaxy could have made it null and void by having a better conclusion to the season but yeah I, I, I do think it's something that that it just it, we we talk about it every week. It, it has to be better, and this is not even a judgment decision that we're like, well, we wish they'd do it this way, or we wish they'd manage a game differently. Just utilizing the technology that's there, and it wasn't done properly, and that's that's a problem. Yeah, and, and you know what? In that case, I do hope that that that's the that's the jumping off point yeah. for pro, right? Like yeah. we've got to do it because of it. You hate to have an example, 100%. right? But I think you need an example. Yeah, it's one thing if it's a mid-season game, and, and yeah, you go back and you start to look, like, oh, that could have been points here. But when it is the final seconds of the season, and a team who had been in a postseason spot for the entire season until the last 30 seconds, when they're knocked out because of an admitted mistake, or at least a mistake that could have led to different outcomes, because we don't know, maybe the right. penalty gets saved, maybe it's put into the stands, but a huge mistake at the very end. I do hope that's a jumping off point for pro because it has to be better. Yeah, agree. So then, Dylan, when you look at the the madness of decision day, who finished where you thought they were, whether they're in or out, and who, I guess, exceeded expectations by working their way in. Because I would maintain, since we're talking about the Galaxy here a little bit, I would think that the Galaxy finished, I think, pretty much where we thought they would. Right there on the edge in the first year under Vanny, that they were a year away from being where we thought they would be. So I guess, 
who finished south of the bar that we figured was south of the bar, who exceeded expectations in getting into the, the second season, you think? Well, I guess the tough sort of question is, like, wh- where are we starting that expectation from, right? Because if it's preseason uh, expectations, I would 100% agree with L.A., right? But then they have a great starting off point, yep. and maybe that changes their expectations. Maybe now that's a disappointment that they that they uh, hadn't made the postseason. Uh, similar kind of thought process with uh, with a Vancouver, right, where um, – I don't think we. I don't think a lot was expected of them at the beginning of the year, uh, and then that changed. Um, I think dramatically with with Ryan Gold's inclusion and and what he's done to that team. Um, I would say an LAFC uh, again, right? Based on preseason, not necessarily. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That formed during the year. Major disappointment there. Yeah. Uh, and I would say the same with Columbus uh, in the East because, yep. it, you know, they, they, they come off the cup. They seemingly uh, improve their roster off a, off a championship team. And now we're thinking, oh, this is a team that can make a, a Champions League run, right? Like with the parts that they've added, a, a Molino, you know, adding some depth up front for, for Zardes with a Bradley Wright Phillips. So I, I would say, uh, I would say in the East that they uh, they definitely you know fell below expectation, and, and I think I think a DC kind of is right about where we thought they would be. Again, based on preseason, right? Like. When you see the way that they played at, at points during the year, maybe you're thinking they deserved a little more. But um, yeah, I, I think, and I think in the East, I think you've got to say. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we all saw New England having the season that they would have in the preseason, right? So no. again, if we're we're basing no. it off of preseason, yeah, they far exceeded the the expectations because we kind of thought it would be Columbus, Philly, yeah. Um, NYCFC battling maybe for those top three spots, right? And 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 they went and shattered the the league record for points. I think Columbus is the biggest surprise to me in terms of where I thought they would be and where they ended up going either direction. I thought they'd win the East coming into the season yeah. with what they had. Let me ask you this before we move into the playoff teams because that, that's who's still on the field. We are starting to get announcements about the teams who are, are done for the year and who's going to be back and who's out of contract, et cetera, et cetera. Out of the teams who missed the postseason, who in your mind has the best opportunity to be a contender next year? All right. 
Um, I guess uh, let's go. I, we could start in the east. I, I don't um, kind of working my way from the bottom up. I, I think there's a lot of heavy lifting to be done with Cincinnati. Toronto is really tough because they're not getting younger. There's, there's contracts there that you know you just kind of have to deal with. Chicago is who knows with Chicago. Same with Miami. I would say. Maybe the teams that are below the line in the East, I, I, I might I might give a nod to D.C. just because I like the way that they played. And I think if you give Lasada, you know, like a full off-season, preseason, I'm intrigued by what they can bring next year. So uh, I would say that maybe in the East and then uh, in the West. Uh, I mean, there's some heavy hitters, right, with L.A. and LAFC there. Yeah. Um I kind of see. I don't know if I, contender might not be the right word, right? But I think a team that could be could be poised to have a big jump next year could be Austin. Hmm, okay. Because I, I, I like uh, you know again. I, I kind of like the model that they've got going on there. Um, you know, they hadn't had their their DPS together right for for a very long amount of time. Um, there's some opportunity now. With uh, you know they're going to have their roster decisions. Uh, I, I don't think they've been out yet, right? But I, I don't think Austin obviously retired. But um, although I will say, you know, for me the most intriguing of of anybody, right, in the off season, and we've spoken about this um, ad nauseum is, is LAFC, right? Like, yeah. th- there's no one who's more interested. Uh, or are interesting to see than them, right? From the coaching, from the DP is Vela back. Will Tata go there now? <laughs> That's a lot of a lot of people talking about that now. So um, I think that's uh, definitely that. That's the hot spot right now to, to keep an eye on. I'll tell you the one that wasn't mentioned before we move into the playoffs that I, I'm really excited to see what they do is Houston. Houston because they've got pretty much uh, a clear deck with designated players to work from. Um, they're going to have a new manager. They've you know, already started to make moves with Pat Onstad coming in. They've got an owner who it appears is going to spend. Um, Houston could be one that surprises us next year. I really think they're going to be a fun team to watch as they, they rebuild. Um, but a lot of it comes down to the decisions they make right now in, in terms of who's going to be the manager, what designated players are they going to go get, you know, how busy are they going to be, right. that kind of stuff. Um, let's get into the post. And, and my yeah, two, and sorry, Jay, my, my two in the East, I think it was, it was a close two, is Montreal. I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm intrigued, to too. See, to see them next year on, on a full year with, with Nancy. Yeah, I'm intrigued, too, especially if they can get uh, Bentaleb, who's been linked to them, if he's healthy and, and can contribute. It feels like they do pretty well with those guys that are just under the maybe under the radar a little bit in Europe, but have a pedigree that can come in and do well. I mean, Boyan came in and did well for them. I think if they'd had more around him, that would have been a great signing. But Bentaleb right. could be an interesting one if he's, he's ready to go. Montreal's going to be a fun one to watch, too. Um, I thought Wilfred Nancy should have been up for, for Coach of the Year, in my opinion. I think what he did with Montreal was incredible with what was expected from them. 
Let's get into the postseason. And it kicks off with a team that are two teams that are kind of mirror images of one another in a lot of ways, Philadelphia and the Red Bulls. Uh, are there going to be more than 45,000 in this game, Dylan? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> go, go over there. What's, what's the over on there on cards? Probably eight. Yeah. I don't know. I'll eight set it really half. high, eight and a half. It's going to be a physical <laughs> game. Um, who do you think is able to, to grab control of that? Because neither team is really a team that likes to control the game with the ball. Yeah, that's going to be a funny one. It's going to seem like a, like a soccer-tennis match, right, at, at times, right? Like, you know, you, you have the ball. No, 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 it's all right. You can take it. You know, we'll, we'll be nice. Uh, yeah, it's just it's neither, neither care too much about possessing the ball. Both want a high press. Both want to get after you. Um, you know, I was I was in the building at Red Bull Arena when they played to a draw. It was a match that, you know, as the Red Bulls was still trying to chase that playoff spot, it 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 was one that I think that they thought they should have won. I think it was a one-one draw. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think I give the slight edge to Philly one. Because of a, a little bit, because of their their experience, this group's experience in big matches, right? Whether it's uh, the playoffs last year, whether it's the Champions League, right? So they've they've been used to this big stage. A lot of the players who were previously for the Red Bulls aren't part of this team anymore, right? So um, it's it's relatively an unproven postseason group for the Red Bulls. Uh, and my other concern for the Red Bulls is just not being clinical enough in the attacking third, right? So playoff games obviously usually are just the razor's edge, and, and I think that Philly has a little bit more in the tank, in the attack, uh, a couple more guys to, to, to sort of lean on uh, to get you those goals than the Red Bulls do. So I think it's a, a tight one. Um, one goal, maybe there's a late one, you know, if, if the Red Bulls are pressing for the equalizer. But, uh, yeah, I don't. there's not going to be much separating, I don't think, these two teams. When it comes to upset alert, the, the, the flashing neon sign on top of <laughs> uh, Silver Cup Studios or whatever, you know, what higher seeds, from your perspective, would be on upset alert or a concern not to make it out of the opening weekend for you? Yeah, there's a few, I think, to be honest. I think uh, I think Vancouver goes to Kansas City with nothing, you know, I mean, it's cliche to say, right, but nothing to lose. No one expects them to win. Um, they get in at the last moment, uh, uh Tartini's been just such a such a breath of fresh air. He's been such a joy to see uh, uh, him in his post game comments and uh, and and just his sideline antics. Uh, and I think that's also worked well for them, right? Like he's taken, I think, some of that pressure that they were feeling maybe mid season when when there's a coaching change and has kind of made it like a fun, exciting place to be, right? So. I would give them uh, a shot at SKC. I would give Atlanta a big shot at 
at New York um, because, look, as, you know, again, you could talk all you want about expected goals and this and that and the way that NYCFC was playing down the stretch. Um, they are home, but they've been home before, and they faltered at home in the postseason. So to me, it's it's a little bit of, you know what, prove it to me, right? Like you've got one playoff round win against, the union and uh, when the union wasn't quite what they are now, right? So uh, I'd like to see that proven. Um, I like Portland. I like Nashville at home. Uh, it's funny you've I'd picked, love to say so. you've picked two that? of the biggest underdogs on the board according to the odds makers. <laughs> um, the three biggest underdogs on the board according to the. The numbers, and I, I use SofaScore, and, and they have like their numbers. It's not a, a composite or whatever, but Vancouver is a plus 375 at Sporting. Um, Rail Salt Lake is one you didn't pick. They're plus 375 at Seattle. That feels about right. Atlanta is a plus 375 at Yankee Stadium. NYC is minus 143. I was a little surprised at the gap in those odds. I would agree. And you know what? If I pick the if I pick the the biggest upsets, well, you know what they say, right? Right? You you you, you go big or you go home. Exactly. So those are my uh, <laughs> those are my. But you know, too, all the pressure. Think about it. Uh, the reasoning is all the pressure in the world is on an SKC is on uh, NYCFC, right? So um, if Atlanta loses that game, you know, obviously the the, the fans will be disappointed. Um, but, you know, look, it's, it's, it's not the end of the world because it's not, you know, you like, you don't need to rebuild, right? Because you started that process a little bit with the coaching change in the mid season, right? So, um, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's the worst thing in the world, but they can go and play a little bit with, with house money, um, realize that, that it's, it's heavily on the host to, to, to advance, and uh, I'm not saying necessarily that Vancouver is going to go to SKC and win. I kind of the way that I see that one going is possibly to PKs, and that's where you know Tim Mealy is the king, right? So um, I think that they give it a they give it a a college try, if you will, and 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 push them to the edge. But I, I still think SKC does advance. Yeah, this is going to be I think an interesting first round across the board because you've got. NYC Atlanta, probably the most evenly matched. I mean, they were level on points in the regular season. Atlanta, with the way they finished the season, being one of the best teams in the league since the middle of July. That one on ABC, you know, should be a lot of eyeballs on it. That could be a really big match for the league. I think Portland, Minnesota will be a, a good match, an entertaining match. Um, Nashville, Orlando. I think will be entertaining, and I think those teams don't exactly care for one another after the way things ended late in the season, and Orlando probably doesn't care for Pro either. That's another one where Pro admitted they made a mistake. <laughs> um, they buried it in their definitive angle column that I don't think many people know about on the Pro website, but they said that it didn't meet the bar for a clear and obvious error, the foul that was called on DK, and they would have preferred that was not sent down for review. Uh, that in some ways, with other results, puts Orlando in a situation where, you know, earlier in the season, we were looking at Orlando hosting a playoff game, being a top team in the East. Now they go on the road to Nashville, a, a place that 
I don't think anybody won in this season. There were a good number of draws, which will send it to extra time, but Orlando, you know, how much pressure is on Orlando in this, falling into this match and going on the road to Nashville? I think that's a great question. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I again, kind of in the in the wildness that was the East. I, I kind of thought they'd be on the outside looking in. So they did enough down the stretch. I think that um, those like last minute results, right? Like uh, the one in uh, Montreal, right, was a huge one for them. Uh, that's a good question. I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, certainly more more pressure you'd have to say just because their home is on Nashville um, but what I will say is I think um, I think you got to go over as well on the expected fouls and cards because yep. as we saw from Orlando last year right they change uh changes the way that they look in the Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Postseason, realizing kind of what it takes to win a playoff game, right? So they'll be, uh, they'll be maybe a little bit more direct. They'll certainly be harder. Um, every challenge is going to be a, a nasty one. Um, and uh, and who knows? You know, I, I, they, they probably they probably think. You know, we, we've got a pretty good goalkeeper as well, and, mm-hmm. and if not, we've got a pretty good defender who can save PKs as well. So it, uh, that, one could, that one could come down to the wire as well. When it comes to stars in the spotlight, I, I know that this is the time of year where a lot of folks who might be ducking in for the first time will be drawn to those mega stars in these matchups. If you were to pick someone who has been flying below the radar all season long that would be a great watch on opening weekend for whatever reason pops into your head, who's that below-the-radar guy that you would sit there and say, watch this game because of this guy if you haven't seen this team this season to the extent that I have? Uh, is it fair, because I just shouted him out before, but is it fair to, to, to include a Ryan Gold in there? Because I think, generally speaking, hasn't Vancouver just flown under the radar? Um, you know, because they're not one of those big, sexy, you know, LAFC, LA, NYCFC, Atlanta, you know, kind of teams. Because uh, I think he's awesome to watch. Um I throw, well, he's not in the first round, but I, I was going to say a Jack Price for Colorado. But, uh, you know, for, for me, it's, 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 it's playmakers, right? Like you want, especially, like I'm not going to go and throw out like a Jacob Glesnes, right? Right, because he's a central defender. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 
I kind of would say Gauld in, in that situation just because, again, I think if Vancouver is able to pull something out, it will be on him. Uh, and maybe sort of if I'm going to stay with Vancouver, I would say a Brian White, man. Like, mm. what a fun story he's yeah. been too, right? Like, I covered him pretty closely when he was here with the Red Bulls and um, just that sort of – Jason, when we do our, our underrated yeah. team – um, he's gotten some love, obviously, right? Like a, like a little bit of, uh, of um, like the cult kind of love that a, that a, that a Tommy McNamara kind of got here yeah. in, in New England. But I think you gotta you gotta you gotta give him some respect, man. Like I think Brian White's had an unbelievable year. I think he's been underrated. You know, I, he certainly won't be on like a best eleven list, right? But uh, he's a guy along with Ryan Gold who have really lifted. Vancouver to the level that they are, that they're kind of like this fun Cinderella team that, you know, everyone maybe outside of Kansas City want to see advance. We're going to do our underrated uh, 11, maybe plus a couple subs and manager and everything. We're going to do that at the end of the season. Um, I'm looking forward to that because I've got some people that I definitely want to campaign for. Uh, I think, I think too, we have to put parameters on that, right? Because, like, for example... Is a Georgi Mihailovic underrated, or is he just underseen, underappreciated, yeah, underrated? That's, that's or another, maybe two yeah, another good things. point. Yeah. So we'll we'll come up with some like uh, parameters for it. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll figure this out. This is going to be an epic episode when we get to that for sure. <laughs> um, we we don't have an underrated player of the year in the award finalists, but we do have the award finalists. Do you vote on the Stillen, by the way? I do, and I did. Okay, okay. So you've already voted. So you don't have to share your votes with us. Um, is there anybody that you feel should have been a finalist who did not make it to the finalist category of any of the categories? I'm trying to pull up my. You're uh, rustling papers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking to see what do I have here. All right, so Landon Donovan MVP. Uh, yeah, no, I mean I I I voted for Heel. Uh, I'll be fine to admit okay. that. Yeah, I, um, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. My, I, I, w- I was, for me, it kind of was heel and and Shalloway because I've loved him throughout the year, and I, I just, I just felt again, just you know, heel on that team, in, even in, even in a shorter, you know, he missed so many games and he still had such a massive contribution, right? So. So are you uh, one of those guys that sits there and says with your MVP, if this team did not have this person, that's your contributing factor? How do you, how do you consider, what is your uh, it's most so hard. It's so, it's, it's so difficult, right? Because it's like, it's, it's an open-ended, like what is it, what, it's, sound, it's sounding very philosophical right now, like, you know, if a tree falls in the woods, right? Like, what is MVP? You know, like, is he the best player in the league? Is he most valuable to his team? Would the team have done as well without it? So there's so many different sort of, you know, like factors or ways that you can construe that. So um, I just thought, for me, he was probably the best and most impactful player despite, you know, putting the numbers that he did despite... um, missing time. They still succeeded without him, right? That was clear. But uh, that was just sort of the way that I kind of viewed it. So, Atlanta United fans like are a, angry, like, Dylan. 
they're, they're angry. What's and they're, they're, Atlanta United fans in our Twitch pitch are angry, and they, they want to okay. know if you're responsible for something. What did I do? I don't know. Uh, Joseph Martinez not being a finalist for Comeback Player of the Year has people a little upset. Uh, well, I can't. I, I don't think I'm responsible for that. Um, <laughs> Just saying no. But I also didn't vote for him. <laughs> you know, so so back to my back to my uh, back to my shallowway point. That's where I went with him. Yeah. Because he was nowhere last year, even the year before, right? Like, um, so I thought it doesn't have to be off an injury, it right? Does. Like, they even have those parameters listed. It's just, like, sort of who who kind of came out of nowhere, right? Like, who, who bounced back off of a bad situation. His bad situation was a massive drop in form. So I thought um, for him to go from where he was to be in the MVP conversation, I thought uh, merited... That I, I, I will say I don't think he will win. I think there'll be enough sort of Chicharito love there yeah. to to get him across the board, but that's that's where I went with that. Yeah, I, I think, and, and a lot of debate about, you know, how do you define comeback player of the year? It is somewhat open-ended. Um, Carlos Heel being there doesn't quite fit as much for me, although he was injured last year. I think we almost forget about that because of how good he's been this year. Um Chicharito, easy, I think, because of the injuries. And and honestly, as much that, that Chicharito talked about, you know, the, the mental health side of the, the strain last year as well. I mean, I think that puts him into this category. And I'm, I'm fine with, I think Chicharito is the winner here. And I'm, I'm fine with that being the outcome. Uh, I did think Joseph would be a finalist coming back from the ACL. And especially as we've learned this year, like how rough that comeback was. For him and mentally as well as as physically, I thought he'd get into the finalist category, but I thought it was Chicharito's award no matter what. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, goalkeeper, I know, I know. There's some 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 talk, right? Um, Crepo, uh, Coronel, um, a lot of t- a lot of team admins maybe are upset about those not <laughs> not being part of that. Uh, I, I wrote. I voted for Matt Turner. You know, I, I, I know people kind of throw out some numbers with with Crepo and you know, like those X goals and exceeding expectations kind of thing. But um, I went. Uh, I went with him there. Um, yeah, defender kidding. of the year. Maybe Atlanta fans will be back in my corner. I went Miles Robinson there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, You've won him <laughs> back, Dylan. There we go. <laughs> uh, newcomer again. Not surprised there, and and I've just sung his praises a lot, right? So I thought Gold yeah. uh, is my guy there. I, I rode the the Peppy train, although that's going to be a tight one, I think, with it is. Buchanan as well. It is. Um, but I kind of went Peppy uh, there. I, I told you the, the the comeback. Coach of the year, the other big one, um, I went Robin Frazier, right? I've, I've said it all year long. I agree with you as well. I thought maybe Nancy should have been there ahead of Schmetzer. Yeah, I think I, Brian I did a great why job. Arena's there, but yeah, yeah, Bruce, Bruce with what he did, he had to be there. Frazier had to be there. Schmetzer did a great job this year dealing with you know Jordan Morris's injury, with a lot of injuries throughout the year. But yeah, I, I think that would have been the spot for Wilfred Nancy to be a finalist, in my opinion. Yeah. So not uh, not I, I don't think a, 
I don't think a ton of surprises, right? But yeah, yeah a few tweaks here and there for, for me, for sure. Oh, good. We'll see how these things come out. Uh, we got a lot of games this weekend, and we'll be talking about them next Tuesday. Uh, it sounds like you've got a bunch of games you're calling as well in all different sports. Yeah, man, I go, I'm doing, uh, I go from, from the American football championship games to, to uh, basketball. I just ordered a, a, a a basketball scorebook. I think I'm gonna have a bunch of games this year, so <laughs> it's uh, it's a busy time around uh, around these neck of the woods. But it's the best time of year. Um, we didn't even touch, obviously, on on dos a zero. What a great result that is! You've got to back it up today, though. You know, mm-hmm. let's three points. Let's can, let's keep this train rolling and, and and put the pressure on Mexico. And I love, by the way, just before we finish up, I love that we've got uh, you know five o'clock. It's a weird start time, but I'm I'm all good with it because you can kind of you can have that digested a little bit maybe hopefully you're not too upset to then get some dinner right and then and then sit down maybe with a glass of wine and just watch the the massacre the battle the 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 bloodletting that will be canada mexico in the snow in edmonton how much that's fun. a brick oh that is awesome it's- that is great it's gonna be it. it's gonna be a ridiculous day with games, you know, in Africa <laughs> and Asia this morning. Big games in Europe at two forty five. Then Concacaf, South America, the rest of the night. <sighs> Buckle up, it's gonna yep, be fun. Yep. Dylan, thanks as always. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, right, boys. Dylan Butler, make sure you're following him, Dylan underscore Butler, on your social media platforms. And uh, we have a little bit of breaking news. Rob Valentino has signed a multi-year contract with Atlanta United as an assistant coach. And I don't think it's an accident that this is announced the way that it is, because as we uh, were told a while back, he was in the frame at one point for the RSL coaching job. Um, he is signed through 2024 as an assistant coach. Um, Carlos Bocanegra said, since Rob joined the club in 2018, he's exemplified a club-first attitude and personality that is the type of coach we want to have in our organization. Serving as interim first-team head coach, he did a remarkable job of leading the group that set the foundation for a great second half of the season. We're looking forward to Rob continuing to play a key role here while also working on his own development. Uh, Rob will be a head coach. One day, he, he he just he has that. I think personality. He has that skill set. He will be a head coach one day, but he doesn't have to rush, and that's an important element of this. And and we were talking to uh, one of the legendary high school coaches in Georgia, Bunky Colvin, last week in Peachtree City, and and Bunky talked about this from his perspective. And I know completely different worlds, high school and professional, but. Sometimes coaches take their first head coaching job too early, or they take a job before they're ready, or they take a bad job just to jump into a job. Rob Valentino's in a great spot where, you know, and Jarrett talked about it earlier with the club's development since day one. Rob is a, a huge reward of that because he started as an assistant with Atlanta United 2 in 2018 year one, joined the first team staff under Frank DeBoer, ended up becoming a very important member of that staff, then transitioned with Stephen Glass as the interim the end of 2020, then was so highly thought of that with Gabriel Heinze bringing his own staff in, 
Atlanta United wanted to keep him, and they basically created a role for him to be involved in the club. And his work earned the respect of a coaching staff he had never met in Gabriel Heinze and, and that group to the point that he was included in that staff towards the end, and he was part of it. And then we know what he did as an interim, and, and that story has been told a million times. His development shows the the type of people that are being recruited to come into the club, and it's, it's just really impressive. So I'm glad that he is under a long-term deal. I'm glad that his development is also going to be supported in this. And Rob Valentino is going to be a very successful coach and manager in his career, and he's got a lot of time to get there, and he's going to be able to work with somebody in Gonzalo Pineda, who those two seem to really get along really well, and Pineda had some great things to say about Rob as well. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And how, e- how much easier he made it for him to come in and transition. So Rob Valentino under contract through 2024. That was announced just a few minutes ago. All right, a lot of things to get into in the second half of the show, but John, you first have to tell us about our good friends, Toka Football and Eliminize right now. Friends, do you have a young soccer player in your family? Have you ever, 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 ever considered private instruction with a professional instructor to take your player's game to the next level? Toka Football has four, four, I say, Indoor soccer training centers in the Atlanta area. Their trainers utilize innovative technology in a fun environment to help improve your skill and decision-making. Give Toka Football a try, won't you? SDH is partnering with Toka to offer our listeners an opportunity to check out the revolutionary and fun Toka soccer training method for how much, Jarrett? I believe it's free. That is correct. Don't quote so, me on that. So, so, so Jarrett, what you're saying is that the, this session, which is how much? Uh, free. Thank you. Uh, you can get your free session now with the promo code DH. DH. That's your promo code. Go to tokafootball.com backslash program backslash toka dash training. Tokafootball.com backslash program backslash TOCA dash training. Or go to soccerdownhere.net. Click on the Toka Football banner and get your favorite football player chasing that next level right now. For our friends at Eliminize, you can get odor-free, clean, fresh air by using Eliminize Service QR code over my left shoulder, available for clicking. They deodorize enclosed spaces like houses, apartments, and condos, created a customized solution that eliminizes all organic odors, including those from pet cigarettes and food. Realtors and property managers use Eliminize Service to eliminize bad owners to help them sell or rent homes quicker. They offer a turnkey process that makes it easy to work with realtors and property managers. They're kind to the environment, offering a greenway 
to get rid of odors with no toxic residue. It's different than Febreze or those other masking agents. It's a proven scientific formula that destroys odor down to the molecule. Pricing is done by cubic feet down to parts per million to come up with a price that's affordable. They offer results in 24 hours or less. For more info about Eliminize service, including FAQ, that's Frequently Asked Questions for You and Me, and a great November offer, go to Eliminize.com. That's E-L-I-M-I-N-I-Z-E.com backslash Atlanta, and make sure that you use backslash Atlanta after you put in Eliminize.com for the special November offer. Eliminize service for odor-free clean. Fresh air. Thank you, John. That was much less eventful than I was afraid it would be. Yeah, yeah, it didn't go completely off the rails. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. Sometimes we can fix that. Uh, No, 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 don't, Jared. Don't do that. But give John time. I'm sure he'll do it himself at some point. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Friendly fire will always take care of that. The the Bluetooth will start misfiring on his internet or something or other. Wait, the Wi-Fi or the Bluetooth? He doesn't know. I don't know. You you missed that, uh, Jared. He, He... thought the bluetooth was slowing down his wi-fi yesterday on my on my phone yeah oh, well you know it happens no it doesn't it doesn't happen at all it just doesn't <laughs> for john uh, it does nah, yeah, for me it does not really it doesn't um mls rumors and news and things uh tom bogert dropped this yesterday charlotte fc have agreed to acquire two international spots from nashville for a new record of GAM for each spot, according to sources. Um, that'll go official in the beloved, legendary, half-day trade window after MLS Cup, which we will have a show, Jarrett. Nice. But you hate me so much. Jarrett, you, you have to be part of that. It is not allowed for you not to be part of that, because we have it's done... It's just what we do. We have done a show during the half-day trade window. We, we've realized that maybe we shouldn't do a show for the whole half-day trade window. Just the yeah, last part of was, it. That first one was a, that first one was like trying to drag a wagon through mud. It was it was rough. Um, <laughs> but there was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of Atlanta United stuff that day because it was the first half-day yeah. trade window for Atlanta United. We've done a half-day trade window show since 2016, and we're going to do it again in 2021, Jared. We need a trade window shirt or something. We need something from the from, yeah from the, uh, mile high store. seventeen. You might have to create yeah. a half day trade window Palooza shirt of some sort. That could be definitely a winner. Yeah. Um, Alan Polito was announced as back for Sporting Kansas City. He had a knee injury, uh, missed time at the end of the season. He is available. Don't know if he's going to be able to start in the postseason, but Peter Verme said he is available. Um. Weird situation in Salt Lake City involving the two or two of the goalkeepers on the squad. Uh, MLS announced on Monday there's an ongoing probe into allegations that racist language was used by Andrew Putna, uh, one of the goalkeepers with RSL, and I believe it was the RSL outlet on SB Nation who uh, reported that it was David Ochoa who had been abused with racist language from. Putna. It was about a month ago. Uh, Putna has been separated from all team activities until an investigation concludes. This is starting to make the rounds uh, nationally and internationally as well. AS had had this report on all of it. Um, MLS has not said what kind of racial slurs were alleged to have been said, but both goalkeepers, according to AS, got into a heated argument and things escalated. 
So that's an awkward thing to deal with going into the postseason. Uh, another awkward thing to deal with is Pro admitting, as, as we just talked about in their definitive angle column, which you kind of have to read because they're going to drop some nuggets in there that they, they don't make other public oopsies on. They just kind of hide them in the definitive angle column. Uh, they would have preferred that VAR did not intervene on the Daryl DK-Alistair Johnston collision in the 1-1 draw. The language from the article is, the amount of contact from DK on Johnston was somewhat minimal, so this incident was at the lower end of the clear and obvious scale. There's a reasonable probability that this impacted Johnston's ability to clear the ball, but it is hard to be certain. Hence, this was a difficult situation for the VAR. It is subjective as to whether Johnston would have been able to play the ball cleanly, and it would be preferred for the decision on the field to remain and a high threshold for intervention maintained. There you go. Um, another oops. So, can I just go to your room. Just get it right for the playoffs, at least at this point. Just don't make these mistakes in the playoffs. I do not want to have to read the definitive angle column a week after the game where there's a huge incident and Pro admits another oopsie that knocks a team out of the postseason. I really hope that doesn't happen. Um, USL Championship's getting crazy with their carousel. Uh, Mark Lowry has left El Paso, and he has landed in Indy. He is the new manager of Indy 11 as of a few minutes ago. He was the first and only head coach in the first three years of the El Paso Locomotive Club. He's 36. He is a manager to keep an eye on in the long term. Uh, Lowry got his start with Jacksonville Armada when they were in the NASL, uh, originally from Birmingham, England. Um, three, three consecutive playoff appearances for El Paso. He goes to Indy, which is a club that, will, I think, spend a little bit more and has some big ambitions and haven't been able to reach them. Excited to see what Lowry can do there. He's he's one of the young coaches in the second division to keep an eye on. Uh, Miami, the Miami FC, has parted ways with Paul Dalglish, the head coach and technical director, after they reached an agreement for his departure. He took over the middle of 2020, um... He was the technical director. He took over as the head coach when they were a mess early on in 2020. Uh, got them to a fourth-place finish um, and a playoff spot in the Atlantic Division in 2021. He'd coached the Miami FC in the NPSL. He's also been with Tampa Bay, uh, Austin, Aztecs, Ottawa Fury. Uh, he's been around quite a bit, and I wonder where he will be headed because saying they reached an agreement for his departure makes me think that there is something next for Paul Dalglish. And New Mexico has appointed first assistant Zach Prince as their new head coach slash technical director ahead of the 2022 season. A uh, longtime player for the Charleston Battery, won USL titles in 2010 and 2012, uh, served under Troy Lacine, who has left New Mexico after three and a half years. He's another one that I'm wondering where he ends up because he's another young manager and technical director who has done really well in the second division level. Um, he Lacine was the 2020 USL Championship Coach of the Year. Now, they missed out on the playoffs this year by one point. What's next for him? Uh, but Zach Prince is going to be the new head guy in New Mexico. There's other clubs, including Charleston, who does not have a manager right now. There are going to be a lot of moves in USL Championship as this carousel continues to spend. But Lowry going from El Paso to Indy, 
is pretty fascinating because I think he might be the guy to get Indy over the hump because they have spent money and have not been able to get, I think, what their ownership is looking for out of it. Yeah, and the fact that you have coaching changes for two of the 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 clubs in the Mountain Division that are either in the playoffs or chasing playoffs. We know what the desires are in those locations. You know, we had uh, the the owners of New Mexico United on the network earlier this year, so we know what it means as they're growing in their footprint. We know what it means in El Paso. We've yeah, but, but John, I, I think with two of these, it's, it, those two specifically, I don't think, well, with Lowry, they didn't fire him. He left. No. He, he went yeah. to Indy. So they're not firing him because of pressure on how successful they want to be. And Lacina, I don't know how that fell down with New Mexico. Right. I get the sense he wanted to go. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think they fired him. So it's not about... No. But it's not about being competitive in that division if the coaches wanted to leave the clubs they were at. Right. I, I think what it what it might be saying, and this is what I'm intrigued to see, is depending on where Lacine ends up. I mean, Lowry goes to Indy. Indy has more resources than El Paso. Right. There's just I don't think there's a, a way to really argue that. Indy's a bigger club. Where does Troy Lacine go? Because if he goes to a bigger club, are we gonna start to see what we see in leagues worldwide where it's not El Paso and New Mexico being unhappy with being either just missing out by a point or getting in but not getting over the hump. It's Those are smaller clubs. Bigger clubs are going to come poaching. That's where I think it's headed. Yeah, and I, I want to see from New Mexico and from El Paso where they go. You know, we you get your you get Zach Prince coming in as your first assistant, and he gets promoted in New Mexico. What does El Paso do now? And but that, so, that says it. Like that tells you exactly what they're going to do. I, I think it's they're not big money clubs that are going to go get. I mean, even like a Wilmer Cabrera kind of hire. Um, they're, they're not going to go get somebody with that kind of a track record. They're going to go get somebody young. They're going to go get somebody who will probably work for a very reasonable salary. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get somebody who will grow into the job. Now, that is absolutely a viable strategy. But if you don't get it right, then you've got to be ready to move on quickly because not every young manager turns into a good one like Lowry and Lacine have. Yeah, and having that in the Mountain Division with those two clubs, I just think that it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting watch with two of the the clubs that folks are drawn to when they're looking at the Mountain Division next season to see how. Prince does and who the the new coach is in New Mexico and see how this translates, especially early on in the season as those two guys are getting, whoever the the hire is in New Mexico, as they're getting their sea legs when it comes to coaching in USL Championship, what those early starts are and how the how the clubs respond to that. So I think it's it's just going to be an interesting case study with two of the teams that folks are folks' eyes are drawn to in the mountain division. Let's jump into US men's national team. Five o'clock today. Paramount Plus and Univision at Jamaica. Kickoff will be right about 5 o'clock. These games on the road are, are typically starting on the hour or very close to it. Uh, we know Zach Steffen starting in goal again. We know Miles Robinson is not there. Who's going to replace him? Who's going to replace Weston McKinney, who is not there? We know Joe Scally will dress but not start. It's up in the air about Christian Pulisic starting. Jarrett, who would you start in place of Miles Robinson, next to Walker Zimmerman, Mark McKenzie or Chris Richards? Uh, 
I think I'm inclined to start Richards. From what I understand, and I don't watch enough Bundesliga, so Bernd or anybody else might be able to jump in here. Uh, from what I understand, Chris Richards has played better in the last few games he's had. Uh, after, a, after a rough outing, I believe it was against Bayern Munich where he had the rough outing, so take that for what it's worth. Um, that might be where I go in this situation. But also, uh, Greg Berhalter has been pulling the right lever, so uh, in Greg, I trust. He he has been so far. Um, I'm curious to see what direction he goes there. Uh, it's going to be Kellen Acosta, Gianluca Busio, or Sebastian Legette replacing Weston McKinney. John, what direction would you go? Uh, I would probably go Busio because of what we've seen from him recently. Uh, Legette had, uh, he was rocky last time out, so I would have a tendency to, to lean toward Busio in this situation. I think the most like-for-like replacement for McKinney is Acosta. Um, the only question I would have if it is Busio is the Busio-Adams chemistry. And uh, Gianluca plays that role, kind of a, a deep-lying playmaker holding midfielder differently than McKinney and differently than Adams plays it. Are you almost able to have Adams replace McKinney as kind of rampaging forward a little bit more and Busio sitting a little bit more? Um, some of this obviously is going to come down to the way Jamaica plays it. I would lean to Busio as well and have Adams push a little bit further when the opportunity comes. If he goes with Acosta, I get it, because then you're basically keeping continuity and, and similar style. Uh, Bart is yelling about no no legit. <laughs> Thomas is saying if we lose tonight, hashtag Greg out. Yeah, everything is about where it should yeah. be. Um, Bart yeah, did ask, and, and Jared, I want to get your take on this. He said, is it a must win or is it a, a can't lose, uh, a must not lose? I my it's take a, it's a must not lose. I think that's what it really is. Yeah, I'm with you. That's what I think it is. I think there are, is a loud element of the fan base who every game is must win, and nothing changes. Um, I think it's a must not lose. I think if you go there and and get a point, you're honestly fine. I think it's there for the taking though to get a win, and they should absolutely go for that and. Again, like we talked about with replacing McKinney, I think Busio maybe gives you more of a likelihood of being in a way of playing that can give you the, the better chance to win here. Um, I would prefer to see that. Um, but it's it's realistically must not lose, in, in my opinion. Yeah, no, to I'm... me it's must not. To me it's must not lose. It's... You'd love to win. If you win, you put yourself in an outstanding spot going forward, especially. It's going to depend on what happens with Mexico and Canada as they play in in, uh, in the ninth circle of hell tonight. But <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's a it's a must not lose. We I think I think it was discussed. I don't know if we talked about it. It was discussed before this this round of qualifying of the USA needed to get four points. However, they did that. They needed to get four points. And you got the three out of the way. After the Mexico game, I think it's fair to sit there and look at them and say, hey, I want you to go get three more points in Jamaica and build off that. And if they don't, but if they don't, it's not it's not a tragedy. It's, yeah. it's going to be, I think, disappointing because you feel like you can go in there 
and it's a good opportunity to take three points on the road, as good of an opportunity as you're going to find in Concord Cap right now. It's it's this thing where obviously three points is the goal for every game. Yes. Kind of gigantic duh with that. But in qualification, the road to qualify is very simple. You win your home games, you draw on the road. It's very simple. It's tried and tested, and it works every time. That doesn't mean you go play for a draw. That means if you get a draw, it's fine. It's a good result. Now, I think also the part of it that will come into this is if is how you play. And this is where it gets hard to quantify, you know. If if they play well and draw, then I'm I'm absolutely have nothing to worry about. If they play poorly and draw where they could have won, yeah, there's a tinge of disappointment. And there should be, and that's fine. If they get a win, it doesn't matter how bad you play. If you get a win, you get a win. Nobody should care. And and I hope that that's thrown out of this, especially on the road. At home, a little bit different conversation. But on the road, you find three points. I don't care if it's somehow, you know, Zach Steffen hits a punt that gets lost in the wind and, and bounces over the goalkeeper's head, and that's how you win 1-0. Good. <laughs> Fine. Um, I, I could care less. But I, I think the quality of the performance will factor in a little bit to maybe how we should feel tomorrow after this. But you come out of there with a point, it's going to be hard to feel pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, when you're you're looking at these things, it's like... You get a win on the road, you take it and run. I mean, literally, it's like, all right, I got a win on the road. That's found money. That, that's like finding that's like finding dollar bills in the pizza cushions that are larger than ones, and that you can go to Coinstar and get everything squared away. If you get a draw on the road, yeah, cool. But you have to look at things in context. You know, could you have gotten a win? Yes, I know that there would be something that might be attached to that as well. If you could have gotten a win. It turns into, yeah, I would have liked to, but, but you still got out of there with a point. It's just you don't want to throw up a clunker in this situation where there's an opportunity for you and come out of Jamaica with nothing in a situation where you are a prohibitive favorite heading down to a road game like this. Okay, if you want to watch World Cup qualifiers, um, there was a gap. No, there wasn't. You could have actually watched it straight through from 7 o'clock Eastern time. If you had wanted to, if you're that much of a degenerate, um, I did have as I was preparing. Some of you are. Some of you are. I, I love I, you for it. Absolutely, I did have while I was preparing for the show this morning. Uh, Lebanon and UAE on, and it was a late, late penalty and a good call. Uh, UAE converted it. Lebanon had the better of the play. So the Asian qualifiers are ongoing right now with some very important games. But that one puts UAE into a playoff spot right now. Uh, Group A is going to be Iran and South Korea going through to the World Cup. The third place spot goes into a playoff with the other third place team in Group B to then go into the interconfederational playoff. UAE jumped Lebanon with their win. Now, Iraq is hosting South Korea right now. Um, Are they... I don't think they're literally hosting. No, it's in Doha. So Iraq is the home team in that against South Korea, 29th minute. That is scoreless. Iraq, with a win, would jump UAE into the playoff spot. Syria and Iran play later. Syria is on two points. They're probably not jumping into that conversation. Iran is leading the group. Group B, 
Saudi Arabia beat Vietnam this morning. No surprise. Saudi Arabia is uh, 5-0-1. Vietnam is 0-6-0 in this round. They are not going to advance. Uh, currently, China and Australia, 28th minute, scoreless. Australia in good shape, although automatic qualification is not secured for them right now. China is trying to play their way into consideration for the playoff spot. Oman and Japan play in just a bit. That starts in about 30 minutes. Japan's in the playoff spot after a bad start to their campaign. Oman is in fourth. They're two points out of the playoff spot. Japan is two points with the current result right now with Australia in a draw. Japan would be two points behind Australia if that game finishes as a draw. So Japan, if they win today, would jump into an automatic spot, and Australia gets bumped down into a playoff where they would play UAE. So the Asian qualifiers, they're on Paramount+. Plus. Um, I'm actually about to pull up a, a game right now because I did not start it at 10 o'clock, and I should have. I think I will go with uh, I'll go with China and Australia. That's the game that I will have on the other screen. So that's 10 o'clock games. Oman Japan is at 11. Syria and Iran is at 11 as well. That will finish out the qualification process uh, for November anyway in Asia. In Africa, um, the big game that starts next at 11 is Nigeria and Cabo Verde. Uh, Algeria and Burkina Faso as well. So you've got two very important games at 11 o'clock. Group A, Algeria is on 13 points. Burkina Faso is on 11. If Burkina Faso wins, they go on to the next round. Now, in Africa, you have 10 groups right now, 40 teams playing, 10 groups of four. The group winners go into the playoff, the final playoff, where five teams will advance. So you win your group, you go into a draw, and it's home and away, two legs, boom. So Burkina Faso has to win over Algeria. Algeria gets through with a draw. Same situation with Nigeria and Cabo Verde. Cabo Verde has to win. Nigeria gets through with a draw. Those games kick off at 11. The African qualifiers are on ESPN+. There are games at 2 o'clock that will kick us up to another level, and Cameroon and Ivory Coast is the biggest one in Africa, probably the biggest game of the day in Africa because it's two heavyweight teams, and it's the same kind of situation. Cameroon has to win. Ivory Coast gets through with a draw. It's so funny how the African qualifiers came down to these last day games that are, are the two teams fighting it out that are almost playoff games. And almost every group ended up with that. Uh, group B is a little more complicated. So group B, and these are at 2 o'clock as well, Tunisia's at the top of the group. They're on 10 points. They have the best goal differential. Equatorial Guinea is also on 10 points. Zambia is on seven. Tunisia hosts Zambia. So Zambia could get to 10 and be level with Tunisia, but they would have to score a bunch of goals to flip goal differential. If Zambia wins and Tunisia stays on 10, then all Equatorial Guinea has to do is go to Mauritania and get a result. 
Martania is 0-4-1. They've scored one goal in five games. They've given up 10. They're on one point. That group is going to be more complicated to follow. Those are 2 o'clock games as well. But uh, Cameroon Ivory Coast is going to be a heavyweight fight. That's going to be a big one at 2 o'clock. All the African qualifiers are on ESPN+. So that will take us up to 4 o'clock with those games ending. You'll have a little bit of time. No, actually you won't because you'll be going straight into Europe as well during all of this. So you got no time. No time the rest you of the day. you got second halves that start at 2.45. you got no time the rest of the way. Well, you got kickoffs at 2.45 is what you got. Right. And you're going to be following a few of these. So Group D in Europe. France is in. They're going to the World Cup. We know that. Finland is hosting France today. They're on 11 points. They're in the playoff spot right now. Ukraine is on nine. Ukraine is not lost in World Cup qualifying, but they've only won one time. They've drawn six times. Ukraine goes to Bosnia and Herzegovina. They're, they are eliminated. They can't get in. But Ukraine, with a win and a Finland loss, would get in. Ukraine, with a win of... One no one goal would make it even. Then it would get really weird with a two-goal win for Ukraine and a Finland draw would get them in as well. So that one's going to be scoreboard watching on multiple fronts. Um, Group G is going to be scoreboard watching on multiple fronts because you got three teams. Netherlands on 20 points. Turkey on 18. Norway on 18. One of the three is going home at the end of the day. Norway is at the Netherlands. Turkey is at Montenegro, who's the fourth place team. 3-3-3. Three, three, and three. Very, very solid. One of them is not making it to the playoff round. One of them is winning the group. All three of them have an opportunity to win the group. All three of them have an opportunity to go home. And you're already getting uh, trash talk, Jarrett, between uh, Norway and the Netherlands. I'm not up on my Norwegian and Dutch trash talk, but uh, I think this is qualified as a burn. Norway's coach, Stali Solbakken, compares the Dutch draw to Montenegro that put them in the situation that has prevented them from clinching a spot. He compared the Netherlands draw to Montenegro to Hilbert van der Doom, the Dutch ice speed skater who forgot to finish the last lap in the 1981 World Championship and stopped too early. I remember that dude, yeah. I cannot say I remember that dude, but... You remember I, the 1981 yeah. speed skating World Championship, John? Well, no, I just remember Vanderdoom. That's, that's, I mean, I don't remember the year, but like I remember the Leon, event. Like, kind of, like yeah, movie, basically. Like a, yeah. Kind of thing. yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, he so he forgets to finish the last lap. I, I think that is qualified as a burn by uh, the Norwegian coach. Because um, I think I remember seeing that on Wide World of Sports that year. <laughs> I think that's it. That was a, yeah. Because like I said, I remember the event. I couldn't remember the year, but I'm glad I now know. Thank you, Sully Stolbakken. I, I should have known okay. that when I throw some crazy Norwegian trash talk, John would know what it is from 1981. Well, um, I mean, I do have relatives there, so I mean, just, my aunt and uncle live there. But I'm sure well, you're not really paying much attention to Norwegian culture these days, John. No. Yeah. If only the Dutch team hadn't fired their coach. Oh, <laughs> well, there's that. There's there's that. Uh, yeah, no. Um, good job. So those games are at 245, so you got the overlap with the African games at 2, then the 245 European games. Uh, so
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So you will have a 15 minute or so break, maybe a little bit longer depending on stoppage time in Europe before you jump um, into games in South America. Actually, no, you don't because there's overlap there too. Never mind. You're, you're straight through the rest of the day. Bolivia and Uruguay kick off at 3 o'clock. That's a big game for Uruguay on the road, in La Paz, in the altitude, where they're going to need to get something out of it because they could be uh, watching other teams in qualification spots or at least a playoff spot by the end of the day against a team that Bolivia could play their way into one of those spots here pretty quickly. Bolivia has moved up the table um, here late in the round, and they're a team to pay attention to. 4 o'clock, Venezuela hosting Peru. Venezuela is, is all but eliminated. Don't know if Ronald Hernandez will take part in this one, but Peru is playing to try to keep their hopes alive. 6 o'clock, Colombia hosting Paraguay. Uh, these two teams love a draw. They love to get ties. They just love that one-point action. Um, Colombia needs more than one point in this one in a big, big way. Uh, Argentina and Brazil at 6.30. So that carries you over into some CONCACAF overlap. We'll get into that here in just a second. Uh, Messi will take part in the match, according to Lionel Scaloni, and uh, Neymar will not. He has already returned to Paris with a thigh injury. And the game of the day in South America is Chile hosting Ecuador at 7.15. That is three versus four. At least right now it is. It might look different, especially that four spot. Three will be Ecuador at the end of the night. But that four spot could be different by the time that kicks off and puts a little more pressure on Chile. CONCACAF, the overlap there is obviously Jamaica and the United States at 5 o'clock. But then 8.05, Costa Rica hosting Honduras. I think Costa Rica has to get three points here to keep their hopes alive. If they don't, I think the coach is fired. Panama hosting El Salvador at 8.05. And U.S. fans will be really pulling for Hugo Perez and El Salvador to get something off of Panama in that game. A win would be amazing, but a draw would be just fine, just to create a little more separation there. And then 9.05, the last game of the night worldwide. It is Canada hosting Mexico. Whoo! And there's reports that you have uh, facility leaders in Canada who have soccer domes, who are like, no, Mexico, you can't train in our facility. We've got U9 games all night. Get out. Stuff. We, can't, we can't give you the facility. Get out. That's basically what was reported as being said in Canada. So you, pretty much from now until about 11 o'clock tonight, you got games everywhere. And you got big games everywhere. It's not just like, ah, it's just a game you can throw it on. Like, you got meaningful games with teams, World Cup qualification routes ended today. You got teams that are going to get an automatic spot sealed today, and you got teams that are going to have to go through the the playoff, and that's going to be determined today. You could have Jarrett the Dutch going into the uh, Mad Max hellscape of doom that is the UEFA playoff system, with three teams out of twelve getting through, and the Dutch could join Italy and Portugal and Sweden and oh yeah, Scotland in that mix. The 
I'm freezing this out nicely. Uh, UEFA sucks. I don't know why UEFA has decided that they want to be, um, how they want to be difficult and weird and special because you are none of those things. Great. You have a lot of teams. Man, must be tough to have to go play Montenegro all the time. Hmm. Oh, shucks. Well, got a lot of teams, a lot of teams with name, a lot of teams with reputation. And I know you structure things, kind of got guilty of this as well, with the hex and the octagonal now. You structure things to get your big teams in there. I swear to God, you people went about this as complicated as possible just to anger everyone else. Pretty much. It's like three paths, 12 teams, six seeds. I was going to ask you to, to do this path for drunken duck duck goose here. It's three paths, six seeds. The seeds will host a semifinal. Um, it's a blind draw once you get to this state. And this is going to happen uh, in about 10 days, I think, at UEFA headquarters, where the six seeded teams will be pulled out in order. Just They're pulled out of a pot. So you could have any combination of them being matched up in a pathway. So the first round games, which are semifinals, single game elimination, the seed hosts it. 90 minutes, then 30 minutes of extra time if needed, then penalties if needed. Then you have pairings of the seeds, and that'll be determined at the draw here in about 10 days, where then you have a final in that pathway. So instead of six matchups and six teams going through this route, it's three teams going, and you have a semifinal and a final to get there. So Scotland could, if they have the, the, the luck on their side, they could have a pathway where they get... Sorry, North Macedonia, but I'm going to throw you into this right now because you're the first one I can think of that, that's in the unseated pot. Uh, Scotland could host North Macedonia and then could host a playoff game to go to the World Cup uh, against Sweden or the Netherlands yeah. or Italy. Could be Italy against Scotland, 90 minutes to decide a winner in Glasgow, and Jarrett and Nick will kill each yes, other. Yes, D.H. Darby to end yeah. Um, Howie wants to know the over-under of UEFA playoff matches decided by penalty shootout. So you got six games and then three games. So nine games total. I think you'll have three penalty shootouts to determine uh, advancement. Sounds about right. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, okay, Ricky Ricardo wants a, a rundown of the path of the games that, that you should watch. I'll tell you what I'm going to watch. That's about all I can do because it's going to depend on kind of, you know, any polls you have to any of these different countries. Uh, we have updates in Asia, by the way. Australia has scored late in the first half. They're up 1-0 against China. South Korea has scored on Iraq. They're up 1-0 late in the first half. Those games are almost to halftime. So I will have uh, China and Australia up until we finish the show here in about 15 minutes. At 11, I am going to go to my primary game of Nigeria and Cabo Verde. Um. I'll probably keep up on sofa score with Algeria and Burkina Faso. And if that gets close or interesting, I'll, I'll have that up on a second screen or flip away or, or what have you. So that'll get you between 11 and 1. Um, 
Hmm. At that point, lunch. That point, lunch. Yes, and then two o'clock, I will absolutely have Cameroon and Ivory Coast on as my primary. I'll keep up with what's going on in Group B. In Europe, I will pay the most attention to that Netherlands-Norway game at 245, so that'll probably go up on a second screen. Um, Then I will be paying attention to Bolivia and Uruguay as well. Um, Obviously, 5 o'clock, Jamaica-US once we get to that point. Chile-Ecuador after... Jamaica-US, I'll be paying close attention to. Um, Argentina-Brazil, I'll be paying attention to, but it doesn't really mean as much outside of it's Argentina-Brazil. Um, there's going to be a lot of overlap once we get into the evening because 5 o'clock Jamaica-US, and these are the ones that jump out to me. Uh, Colombia-Paraguay at 6 is one you got to pay attention to, I think, if you're following combo ball. Argentina-Brazil at 6.30. US game ends. You got those two going on. 7.15, you got Chile and Ecuador, and that's the one I'm most interested in in South America tonight. That's 7.15. 8.05, you have two games in CONCACAF, Costa Rica, Honduras, Panama, El Salvador, and then 9.05, Canada, Mexico will get a lot of attention for me. So it's uh, it's going to be a wild ride today when it comes to all of these games. We'll do our best to, to make sense of all of it tonight, but I'm sure the watch-along channel in the Discord will be humming today if you're a subscriber and if you are a subscriber um i would like to let's see what are we going to get with this we'll go with oh no not that um i don't have a good one up handy so we'll do use this If you are a subscriber via Twitch or via Patreon, uh, we would like to invite you to our holiday party for SDH subscribers. It's going to be December 16th from 6.30 to 9.30 at Wild Heaven West End. There will be drink tickets for each subscriber. Food while supplies last. Uh, We have some awards for our subscribers. Yes, we have done our own voting on this, and uh, those will be (laughs) unveiled. Um, special guest details on 2022 tour platform, some upcoming dates once we start to get into 2022, but holiday party for subscribers, Wild Heaven West End, December 16th, that's a Thursday, 6.30 to 9.30, and I'm going to post the information on how you RSVP in the Discord um, one thing that's a little bit tricky is I don't have everybody's emails offhand, um, the way Twitch does it, it, it's Twitch IDs. It's not emails. I have a lot of your emails, but separately. So there's a lot of matching up that, that has to be done. I do have everybody who's on Patreon. I have all of your email information. So if I have your email, I'm going to get you the invitation. But if you're on Discord, I'm going to post it there because that is subscribers only as well. Um, so subscribers, we're going to try to give a little bit back to you guys uh, um, to thank you for subscribing to our ridiculousness and like our three-plus-hour show last night that devolved into chaos. Mm-hmm. I think we owe you something, at least for that show specifically. <laughs> what? How dare you? Jared, I'm really giving them the drink tickets because of you specifically. <laughs> drink tickets? All you're giving them is drink tickets? <laughs> this is a terrible trade. Yeah. Um, it's just but- giving them a Band-Aid for a bullet wound. 
I will. Uh, I'll post it here in the Discord um, after we finish up. So if you are on the Discord, be on the lookout, and that'll that'll tell you how you can RSVP. And we do need RSVPs um, ahead of time, just so we can plan everything and and try to make this as good as we can for you. But December sixteenth, mark it down. Wild Heaven West End holiday party for our SDH subscribers, and hopefully uh, next year we're already working on a season kickoff party that will be like right around the corner. Um, yeah. That will be like a. Six Six weeks after the holiday party, we'll Six have our kickoff weeks, party. Four weeks. Current uh, <laughs> tickets, tickets for putting up with me. Jesus. Sorry we ran you over with that Panzer tank. Here's a tube of Biofreeze. It's all I can do, Jared. It's all I can do, okay? I haven't won the lottery yet. See, I figured the drink tickets were from having to put up with me. No, it's specifically Jared. No, that's okay. what the Wi-Fi's for. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the food is is for putting up with John because John is not making the food, so you'll be, you'll be no. Ready. John is not making the food, therefore it will be a very safe investment on your part to partake yeah. in said food. Yes, yes. And uh, as always, thank you to Scott and Jen, the Flood Project, for putting this together and keeping us busy with stuff because we like to do stuff and we like to provide stuff and we like to uh, do that in different places around. The region to talk soccer. Um, we've had some questions about predictions for these games today, and we have not talked about really the odds of these games. So let's hit the highlights. And uh, let's also, since it is November and we are not far away from Thanksgiving, actually. I think true. I think we have to talk about Thanksgiving side dishes along with these picks. So... Let's start with the 11 o'clock games. Um, Nigeria and Cabo Verde. Nigeria is minus 227. All they need to draw. Cabo Verde is a plus 650. The draw is a plus 320. This game is in Nigeria, I believe. There's a lot of stadiums that do not meet standards in Africa, and games have been moved, but I think this one is in Nigeria. Are either one of you going with the underdog here? Nope. Nope. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. Uh, to, to at least one of our listeners, Joe. I don't think I can put any Thanksgiving side dishes on Cabo Verde. I will be pulling for Cabo Verde in this one, though. I will absolutely it be would pulling be cool. for the underdog. I just don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting any no. any side dishes on, and I can't bring myself to decide if it does happen. Though that would be very cool. Yeah. Uh, looks like that one is. It, being played at Teslin Balogun Stadium in Lagos. Okay. I have a different stadium listed here, but again, it's, it's all over the map with where these games are actually going to be held. Um, Algeria-Burkina Faso is another one where Algeria, all they need to draw, Burkina Faso has to win. Burkina Faso is a plus 1,200 if you're feeling squirrely. What uh, ridiculous Thanksgiving side dish would you put on that one, Jared? Ooh, um... I don't really believe. If we were, so. you're saying if we were yeah. forced to have uh, Burkina Faso as our selection, yes. what, what side dish? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's how I'm thinking about yes. it. Um, Ridiculous. Uh, probably collard greens. I'm not a huge fan of collards. Really? They're fine, but they're not my favorite. I, I will eat them, but they're not my favorite. I don't go out of my way. Like to go find them, but when uh, I have them and they're well prepared, I really enjoy them. John, you yeah, probably got... don't because you don't eat no. anything that's green. That is un- true. unless it's yeah. like gamey muffins that have green on the outside that 
That is true. No, so I, I was going to go with sweet potato casserole there if I had to do it with Burkina Faso. That's not a weird thing. You don't like that either? I'm, nope. Even, you, if, so you, even if you put the marshmallows in it, nope. See, we have see we have a recipe that we make variety sometimes that is, um, is uh, it's spinach and chocolate chip muffins. And so they're basically just green chocolate chip muffins. Ah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if we could give those to John, how that would go. Oh, boy. You can't taste the spinach, really. It's there. There's just He'd probably still it. turn up his nose. Absolutely. Because the thing is, is that I would know it's coming. And that's the, that's the, that's the rub in all of it. Because since you said it's a spinach and chocolate chip muffin, I would know that that's what's coming my way. I would turn my nose up as it's being delivered, knowing that it was coming. People are literally freaking out about what you just said, Jared. What, you, you want to describe that one more time? The spinach chocolate chip muffins? Yes. That, that, that sounds a little ridiculous. Yeah, give me a second. Um, give me one second. I'm actually pulling it up right now. <laughs> I, I will quote uh, Joe Boss. Oh, hell to the gnaw! <laughs> Yeah, it's, well, they're technically it's, called, it's green oatmeal chocolate chip muffins. I'll drop it in the uh, I'll drop it in the Discord. But it's uh, two and a half cups quick oats, baking powder, baking soda, salt, a uh, third of a cup maple syrup for sweetness, uh, milk, banana, raw spinach, egg, vanilla extract, and one cup of chocolate chips. So let me ask: Is this essentially to get a child to eat spinach? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes, although she does eat her greens pretty well. It's not like because. You prefer it to regular chocolate chip muffins, yeah, and it's fine. And she enjoys like taking part in the baking process. So there's also a an element of this that is you know getting her involved in the kitchen and getting her involved in doing work. Yeah, yeah. no, Strummer. That's what I, I wanted to clarify. Strummer John says we make weird stuff when you have kids, guys. Uh, that's what I wanted to clarify. That's like. true. That's not uh, something you would the, make just on your. I own. just dropped the recipe in the food and drink as uh, part of the Discord. Um, John, you'll never see it. You mean? Give me a second. I'm going to drop in the Twitch pitch, too. Okay. Um, let's get into the 2 o'clock game. Uh, Cameroon and Ivory Coast. This is a little bit of a toss-up. Uh, Cameroon, at home, they have to win. They are the favorite, plus 138. Ivory Coast, plus 230. Draw is plus 200. Uh, last time these teams played, Ivory Coast won at home 2-1. If I remember right, the pitch was horrendous. Um... African Nations Championship 2016 was the last time they played before that. You're going way back in Ivory Coast 1. Cameroon comes in having won three in a row and outscoring their opponents 8-1 in those three games. Ivory Coast come in having won four in a row and outscoring their opponents 10-2. So very, very even. John, what are you picking? Uh, I'm going with the draw option here, and I will put. Why did I even ask? Well, I mean, it's just I. I just think that they'll cancel each other out. You so always make a draw. You think everybody cancels each other out? What what Thanksgiving side dish are you putting on this? See, that's, sure that's what I, that's what I'm trying to chase after here. I'm trying to figure out what side dish I want to put you because know, you know I'm fairly confident in it. So let's just go. Uh, Let's just go with uh, green beans with uh, with bacon baked with them as well. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> no, because there because when you when you make green beans, some folks will put bacon in with, for flavoring as well. So let's go. But you, you said baked into them. 
Whatever. They're not baked specifically. <laughs> you there's, said there's the a, word baked. I know I used the word baked, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> they're in the. They're in the Tupper. They're not. Uh, they're, it's in the, in the glassware with it, and you cook. It, you cook it with the bacon, and it just adds a little bit of flavor with the green beans. <laughs> Jared, help me. Please, Jared, help. Please. <laughs> He's leaving you hanging there, brother. <laughs> Jared, I don't like you anymore. Um, <laughs> Jeez. I don't, know, I don't know how to help you here. I'm I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> Thank you. I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to know that um, I should I'm be flabbergasted. Okay. No, I'm just sitting here speechless. Like, what am I supposed to do with this information? I, I just wanted to make sure that my reaction was accurate because what am I? What am I supposed to do with that? I don't. I don't know. I, I don't this know. Is the I just same need reaction back everyone up. had to the to the uh, the Texas uh, coaches. Uh, girlfriend, uh, emotional support monkey. Like, you can't give me that. You can't give me all of that information. What am I supposed to do with all that? Like, what am I supposed to do with John's food tanks? I, I don't know. I just needed to make sure I wasn't completely losing my mind. Well, you know, you know that you know that Texas. Oh, you are. You know Texas is zero and three since the support monkey bit the neighbor. Pole assassin. That's Bart reminds us. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's one of the most ridiculous things that's happened in the last few weeks. Um, all right, so your green beans that are baked with bacon, but not really baked, but not in Tupperware, but in glassware, and something happens to them, and bacon's around, basically, is what you're telling me. Yes. Okay. Uh, Cameron and Ivory Coast, Jarrett, what are you picking? Oh, my God, I forgot we were even talking about games. I know, um, I know. I have a soft spot for Ivory Coast, um, just for no good reason, As even as a kid, because I remember seeing them. Um, give me Ivory Coast because of just my raw emotional attachment that has no uh, bearing. Um, yeah, give me broccoli casserole. Uh, see, I'm the other way. I'm Cameroon, um, because I remember watching their 1990 World Cup run uh, and really loving that team. Um, even though they beat Argentina in Game 1, uh, I believe it was Benjamin Massing who uh, finished off one of the greatest sequences of fouls I've ever seen in my life, where Claudio Canigia was hit three times and Massing hit him so hard at the end of it, his, sh- his own shoe went flying off and... Then you had the the classic dark arts uh, of Argentine players walking over to argue about how he should be sent off and stomping on his foot that didn't have a shoe on it. Um, just all imagine fouling someone so hard that your shoe flies off. He had been Kinesia had been hit at midfield, was like wobbling but running. Then he's hit again. And he's like windmilling to try to stay up. And then Massing comes in with a flying hip check that looked like Asuka from the WWE. And his own shoe went flying off and it, it was chaos. But Cameron won that game. And then one of the best games I have ever seen in my life is the quarterfinal from the 1990 World Cup, England and Cameroon. If you haven't seen it, it's... It's weird because you could actually play the ball back to the goalkeeper and it could pick it up. Keep that in mind. This was 1990 before that rule change. But an 
unbelievable game that was back and forth, went to extra time. England ended up winning, uh, but that Cameroon team was a blast to watch. And when I would play in the the local leagues in Athens, I played on a team that wore green shirts, and we just had shirts. We didn't get, like, shorts and socks. We were a local rec team playing in the adult league. So I would wear a green shirt with red shorts and yellow socks to wear Cameroon's colors in, in my games because I was a ridiculous soccer nerd at that point in my life, um, like I still am now. All right, so I'm pulling for Cameroon. I will put... You ain't nothing changed, buddy. I know, except I'm not wearing Cameroon outfits. Um, I will put on that, um, because I like Cameroon a lot. Um, hmm. I'll go with the mac and cheese on that. Because, I, I, I mean, I like the mac and cheese at uh, Thanksgiving dinner. It's good. I know it's not for everybody, and if some people don't have mac and cheese at their Thanksgiving dinners, that was something I learned from Mike. That's not a northern thing. I guess that's a southern thing. So uh, I'll go with the mac and cheese. All right, other games quickly to get a couple of takes on. Um, let's go with that Chile-Ecuador match. Uh, Chile is a big favorite, minus 137, draw plus 250, Ecuador plus 425. Jared, how do you think that turns out? Ooh, um... I'm inclined to say Ecuador and Chile gets into a weird spot. Uh, give me a sweep potato souffle with some pralines on top. I don't like the pralines on top, but okay. Uh, what are you picking? Draw? Uh, no, uh, uh, Ecuador. Oh, you're picking Ecuador. Okay. Yes. I'm going draw. That's cool. I'm going draw. I'll, I'll take uh, Jarrett's sweet potato souffle, but I'll take the pralines out because I'm, I'm not a fan. That's okay. Not uh, for everybody. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, John. I'll go uh, stovetop stuffing on Chile. Is that good or bad? No, I, I like Chile. I like uh, stovetop stuffing. Out of the Instead box, Instead of right? potatoes. Yeah. yeah For some reason box. in my mind, I just yeah. thought of him saying, like, he's going to take stovetop stuffing with chili on top of it. No. He couldn't handle it. And I feel that. like that's something he would do. That's something they probably do in Cincinnati. I'm just saying. True. That's probably true. That's weird. Um, Why is Cincinnati... I don't know. Uh, Netherlands and Norway, with the trash talk of the Norwegian manager referring to Dutch speed skaters of the early 80s. The Dutch are minus 227. Norway's a plus 600. Draws plus 350. How's it turn out, John? Mac and cheese on the Netherlands. So you're going big on Louis van Gaal. Big on Louis van Gaal and his frickin' golf cart. They're going to house Norway. I hope he has a frickin' golf cart. That'd be awesome. He he fell off a bike, Jared. He he really does have okay. a golf cart. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are you picking? Give me and give me the Netherlands. I don't feel great about it. Um, man, run out of bad side dishes to give on this one. Um, <laughs> I'll make sure wasted no time. What happened? Nigeria's already up 1-0 in the fourth minute. Good grief. Come on, Cabo Verde. Uh, I'm going to go draw. I think the Netherlands gets enough, but it's not pretty. Uh, I think they get the draw, and they go through to the World Cup. And I will put, uh, speaking of something that's not pretty but effective, I'll go with the cranberry sauce out of the can. And the last one. It's effective. Canada and Mexico, 905. Canada plus 175. Draw plus 210. Mexico plus 163. 
pretty even, but Mexico is favored. I think that number has gone up some from last night. Uh, Jarrett, what are you picking? Canada, Mexico. Uh, I did this last night. Yes. I picked a draw, and uh, and uh, Mexico ends up with a new coach. Oh. John, you picked Put the, the dark meat turkey on it. The oh, good stuff. Wow. Okay, that's mm. really bold. Uh, John, you you picked the draw as well. What uh, what side dish are you putting on it? Cranberry sauce out of the can. And Mexico's looking for a new coach. Yeah, you're both really harsh. Um, I do think Mexico will be looking for a new coach because I think Canada wins this game. Um, the numbers have so shifted. We harsh. Yeah, well, uh, the numbers have shifted a lot since last night on SofaScore. Uh, last night it was plus 200. That's what I got Canada locked in at. They're down to 175. Mexico was plus 140. They're up to plus 163 right now. Uh, I will go with Canada, and I don't know what a Canadian side dish would be for Thanksgiving. Um, I mean, you can't have poutine as a side dish. That, that'd be too much. I don't know, what, what, what would a Canadian That's side who? dish be? Okay, then I'll have poutine. I'll, I'll bring poutine to the Thanksgiving table then. There you go. I, I, don't know enough, I don't know about what Canadian Thanksgiving is like. Yeah, I know. I'm curious. Um, but, I mean, I, I'm willing to believe. I'm, I'm very curious, so now I'm going to need to find that out. Uh, but I will go with uh, a little bit of poutine on the table. Uh, Bart thinks Mexico finds a draw. I, I think Canada beats them here. I think they do. Uh, At the brick. I, I'll take this a bowl of cheese curds, Kessie. That'll work. <laughs> Thomas wants maple candies on it. Um, that, yeah, that's actually a pretty good shout. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring a, a small side dish of poutine. Just a small side dish. Um, but that'll do it for us today. I'm on 92.9 here in about 15 minutes. Talk to Andy and Randy. And then uh, games all day on the Watch Along channel on our Discord. Join into the conversation there with whatever game you're watching. You've got games pretty much nonstop between now and about 11 o'clock tonight. So uh, join the conversation. I'll post the holiday party information on the Discord as well for subscribers. Thanks to all of you for being subscribers. Thanks to all of you who listen and are part of the SDH universe and family. We appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Mucho plato, y'all. Mucho plato, y'all. Mucho plato, y'all.